going to a weighted lottery system. So how did you make those choices as to uh, what breweries w- would be attending this year? It was one of the toughest things. <laughs> it was, it was one of the toughest things because, uh, you know, half of us don't get to come. Jason, for example, is not eligible to come this year. He has to watch on Zoom. <laughs> So it's been it's been a tough it's been tough looking him in the eye knowing that I can go and he can't go. I'm gonna be sitting in my living room watching a webcam. Of the are, are you gonna have your own air horn though? Yeah, yeah. Gonna... yeah, yeah. My neighbors are gonna be really happy about it. Cheers. You stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. The early weeks of August bring the dog days of summer, but it also brings us the great taste of the Midwest, which takes place at Orland Park along the shores of Lake Mendota and Madison. Being held on August 14th this year, this event draws craft beer connoisseurs from across the country and droves of Wisconsinites. Organized and ran every year by the Madison Craft Brewers and Tasters Guild, the great taste of the Midwest is the quintessential craft beer festival in the midwest as it enters its 35th year we're counting last year (laughs) it stands as the second longest running beer festival consistently ranking among the top 10 beer fests in the country and has midwest breweries breaking out their best beers every year today on the tap takeover podcast we're talking to jason walters chairman of the great taste of the midwest and fred swanson head brewer liaison for the great taste gentlemen welcome to the tap takeover podcast (laughs) thanks for having us we're good we are super happy to be here thanks for having us before we dive in let's give a shout out to our host this evening uh we are at brewfinity brewing company in oconomowoc wisconsin so thank you chad ostrom for hosting us this evening it's a wonderful venue, and we are super excited. This is uh, Jason and Fred's first time being here. So yeah, that's awesome, super yeah. Super excited. Yeah, uh, Chad brews a lot of great beers. He's got a mixture of both very traditional uh, as well as some experimental beers. Uh, his whip beer is not an ordinary beer. It seals up coriander, but it's uh, brewed with a little bit of ginger and a Lithuanian farmhouse yeast. Very interesting Some flavor of us are super partial to the Lithuanians. Oh. Big fan. So brew, drink, repeat at Brewfinity, Conemawak, Wisconsin. All right, guys, you know, let's let's just get into 2020. We, we lost last year. How did that affect the great taste of the Midwest? Not having a festival at all is, is tough. You know, we, we look forward to seeing our brewer friends. We look forward to seeing, you know, other friends and colleagues in the industry and, and patrons as well that we're used to, um, you know, welcoming back to Madison every August. So, you know, it was, it, it was hard not to have that, that gathering, but we were able to do, you know, a fundraiser because a big part of what we do with, as, a non, as a not-for-profit organization you know, we were able to still raise some some funds uh, for charities that we give to to local um, nonprofit organizations. So, we sold uh, clean canteen stainless steel pint cups, and uh, and raised a significant amount of money that we could then donate to those local charities. So we were super proud of that. We got those cups to, I think, ninety eight percent to ninety nine percent of the orders uh, out to people to have them in their hands, so that they could celebrate the Great Taste twenty twenty backyard edition at home. Uh, with friends and neighbors at a responsible distance, you know, kind of make their own events, you know, in, in backyards across the Midwest. So we, we are, you know, we are happy to do that, to have some some connection for people to, to still gather as they could, and um, even if they weren't at Owen Park. Yeah, I know. I got mine shipped really quickly, and you guys are not a logistics company. We are not. <laughs> we set up <laughs> Not to, our forte. <laughs> and, and I got some floaty beers, pictures that I celebrated uh, in virtual great taste last year so that was really fantastic i think for us for me in particular it was the missing of people it was the missing of friends it was that loss of the connection that happened in 2020 it was this we are an event built on relationships and when those relationships are at a distance or non-existent as they were in 2020 it was really hard i mean even my wife who puts up with a ton to just get this thing out the door she's like oh my god dude i just the passion that we have for it when it doesn't happen it's really taxing on those of us that are people people 
So that was the biggest thing for us. It was, it, you know, we always have looked at the Great Taste as being a, uh, akin to a big family reunion, a group that everybody gathers around that you're all related. It's Thanksgiving dinner. It's Christmas morning. But the bottom line is that didn't happen. So you missed your family. And many people didn't see their family for 18 months. It's just that we didn't see this family for 18 months. Yeah, and you've said that in previous interviews that we've had. This is mm-hmm. our third year with you guys. And uh, again, thank you so much for so joining solid us. Solid bronze medal year for us this year. <laughs> solid bronze in the Olympic year. <laughs> we got to raise it, Jason. We're going to raise our target one of these years. But you've always said that it is really a family that gathers every year. These are friends, some you've known for over 30 plus years. Oh, absolutely. These are people that. Jason and I can call on a dime. We can be traveling. We can be with our families. We can just say, you know, the week before, hey, we're going to be down. Everybody meet for lunch. That's what this is. This isn't a commodified, capitalistic kind of endeavor where we sell you tickets, you get great beer, you have a great time, everybody moves on after everybody makes money. That's fine. But the next step in that is how do you take it to a different level? How do you make it feel different? How do you make it feel a little more socially democratic than it is capitalistic. <laughs> the bottom line is you give away a ton of money to social justice causes and you invite your friends back. That's one of the things that I think we hang our hat on and feel best about. It was really hard for Jason and I and a hundred plus other super involved homebrewer members to not be able to give tens of thousands of dollars away last year. You know, that was a big thing. In the year when people needed money the most, how do we so this was this passion project that Jason mentioned about, you know, stainless steel cups. That was what got us through last year. And that made us feel reasonably good, even though we couldn't gather. And that really did. I mean, that, that refilled our, oh our, our, our funding for, for that, you know, that charitable giving branch that we have in our club. We were super proud to be able to do that. And, you know, we had local pickups. That was actually like a little mini uh, chance to see at least these people, you know, driving by in the car where they, we, we had the pickup at the park, so people were coming through that Friday, the the traditional like brewer load in night uh, at Olin Park. So we did see some people coming through, and we were able to hand out, you know, distribute their cups. Um, we are selling those cups again this yep. year, I should mention, yep. um, on GreatTaste.org, um, and your twenty dollars will go towards a lot of lo- great local charities. Um, you get a really high quality uh, stainless steel pint cup from Clean Canteen with this year's Great Taste logo. Check out the website. Just an extension of what we've always done. Last year was the first time you've actually sold merchandise on the website. You've always sold merchandise on site. This is the first time you've allowed outside sales. Let's call it that. Do you think you might start doing additional great taste merchandise online sales? It's something we could look into. Uh, traditionally, we're not great at selling things. Uh, we're, we're great at putting on a beer festival <laughs> that is really well received that people really like to attend brewers like to attend we're really Um, good for five hours (laughs) (laughs) we're solid for half a day yeah then we fall off yeah but you know but last year was special i think with you know people people missing that gathering that you know the family Mm -hmm. reunion that fred talked about and knowing that you know you as as a beer patron and as as a beer enthusiast you might have been in a better position than others were so, you know, a 20 or 40 or $60 donation, if you want to call it that, um, you know, you get a sweet pint cup, you know, in, in trade for, for some goodwill that you can put towards those local charities uh, to benefit people who, who really needed it last year, to be honest. Uh, and, and this year is not really that much different. So that's why we wanted to do the online sales again, is to get word out, you know, with, with running a reduced event, there are a lot of people who, who couldn't get tickets this year. So we want to appeal to those people, too. Um, you know, patrons who, who, who couldn't, uh, who didn't, you know, win in the mail in lottery, you know, th- this gives them a piece that, that they can have at home, that, that they can put on their shelf or in, the, in their cupboard, you know, and enjoy a cold beer in their backyard, e- even if they weren't able to be at the festival. But they also know that they're doing some good, you know, within the community as well. Let's uh, start getting into a, a lot of changes for this year, and uh, hopefully 2022 will we'll get back to normal. But a lot of changes for 2022, you, you mentioned that it's a, a, a smaller gathering this year. Uh, how's much smaller? What does the festival look like this year? Uh, so we're we're used to having about ten thousand people in the park um, this year. With, just with the climate, when we were making those decisions, you know, in the April time frame, um, you know, we, we we had a lot of different numbers floating around in our head and a lot of logistics around those numbers. Um, and where we landed was was at five thousand, so about fifty percent capacity 
of a normal scale event. We've got 100 breweries. We're targeting 100 breweries this year rather than, you know, around 200. Close to 200, yep. yep. And, and 5,000 people in the park. That being said, we're still representing the Midwest like we always do. So those unicorn beers, those special release, those cellared beers, you know, the, the ones that form lines for those special release times, those will all be there. And I, and I think that's the, you know, even though there might be less people in the park, um, all those great beers are still going to be there, and and that's really what we want to, you know, w- one of the messages that we want to have out there that it, it might be smaller, but still amazing stuff on tap. It'll be a very different event. It will not be a reduced in influence event. It will not be a reduced in perception event. We need people to come in and go, oh, it's almost like I went back 15 years to when the Great Taste moved from downtown Madison to Owen Park. We're just going back there for one year, and we hope it's one year. We have, there's nothing more sad than telling family members that they didn't make it through the lottery, and they may have been there for a lot of years, and they just didn't get in this year. So it's really hard. It's uh, best face forward, kind of a methodology mentality. We are not going to tell you that we are half of what we were. We're going to tell you we're all of what we are. Okay, that's it. We are going to be the best we can be this year. And we're going to nail it, and we're going to make sure that everybody has a great time, and then we're going to move on to next year. That's awesome. And great taste. We've always given pointers out to especially first-timers at great taste because it can be overwhelming, uh, the size. And it's like not even a kid in a candy store. Right, it's a kid in a candy warehouse, <laughs> yep. and you don't even make it down aisle one before you're you're puking your guts out. And it'll still be that way. I mean, <laughs> right. there, still, there are even at hat, yeah, even at hundred breweries. breweries. I, I hope I hope that no one is even remotely and at a thousand. There's still a thousand you know, beers. Right, we, we still there's Pretty still close. a lot Absolutely. of a lot of beers to enjoy and a lot of breweries that no one could possibly get to in one day. So you still need to uh, hydrate. Absolutely. That has always been a uh, number one tip from the Tap Takeover podcast is hydrate, prehydrate. Prehydrate. I, I think I coined that term a couple <laughs> yeah. of years pre-hydrate. ago. I like that because yes. you've, you've also got uh, the fact that we will be working the line with uh, a bottled water company. Um, we'll have Nicolay Water and Water Joe down there, uh, and then we'll have a ton of water <laughs> for people on site. I think one of the things that people don't know, one of the small little backroom things that people don't understand if you don't pay attention it's not like you would because you would never think that somebody would go to the level of what I'm about to say. We have those rinse tanks. Those are potable, potable. Potable water. Potable water. The filter on those rinse tanks are changed three times during the event. We, We tap off a Madison water supply. You can drink water all day without spending a dime on water. And it's in your rinse tank. Everything there is potable. It comes right off a uh, Madison uh, bubbler. And then we filter it in between all that. So one of the things that we say is that hydrate and then hydrate. But the other thing is, first off, have breakfast and then have second breakfast. And then (laughs) buy lunch when you're there. And then right before you leave, pick up a brat or a sandwich and walk out to the cab line. That people are safe and sane is that drink a ton, have a glass in one hand, have a bottle of water in the other. And then put your bottle of water down while you're eating food during the event. There's always been a great selection of food. And mm-hmm. I know in 2019, you guys amped up your game. And it was amazing, some of the vendors that were there and the amazing food. And uh, more than I think you've, you've had before. Uh, how's the food situation in 2021? It's good. We, we You know, we've we've lost a couple of vendors. Just folks have retired, you know, in, in some of our longtime vendors. Uh, but we've got some new offerings, too. So, for the first time ever, we're going to have deep fried cheese curds, which has been a goal of mine. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> in Wisconsin, right? We've never curd had curds as a cheese curd enthusiast. <laughs> this is the first time we'll ever curd have. Girl. Ge- <laughs> yeah, Curd Girl will be uh, will will be a first time vendor, and I'm really excited about that. They're really excited to be at our festival, so look for deep fried cheese curds at Curd Girl. Absolutely awesome. That and the fact that I think you know we have gone beyond just your typical pretzel pizza sandwich thing. There yep. is a ton of options. I mean, what other beer festival has high end craft nuts? What other you know beer festival has kombucha? What other beer festival has bacon on a stick? What other beer festival has fill in the blank? Mediterranean food. There's stuff for vegans. There's stuff for vegetarians. There is stuff there for everybody. Please partake because these guys spend a bit of money to get their license to be there to just vend and for many of them this is the 
apex of their uh, their vending season. Yep, these are all small businesses. You know, th- this is exactly what we're trying to support, right? Small breweries, small businesses, small food, right. you know, trucks and food carts. So we do have super high quality local food. And it, it's, again, something that I'm really proud about, uh, you know, in, in my years of involvement with The Great Taste, that you're not just getting a slice of frozen pizza for $7. You know, you're, you're getting good handmade pizza. You're, you're getting pulled pork sandwiches. You're getting you know, handmade tacos, you're getting noodles, you're getting the kombucha mm-hmm. that, that Fred mentioned. So we do have great food. Make sure you're eating food. Yeah, we're super excited about the food offerings. Yep. And uh, I can attest to the quality of the water coming out of the rinse stations. It is really fantastic because it's it's one for the glass, one for Jim, one for glass, one for Jim. Yeah, so. so when you're rinsing your glass, don't dump that out. Don't like, dump that. Yeah. Just like, drink that. Rinse your glass, but drink that. Fill it up again. Drink that. Then go on and, and go find your beer. beer. So... I don't know what price you pay, what sacrifices you make for the awesome weather that happens every year at Great Taste. But every year, it's warm, but it's in a great park. There's plenty of shade, and of course, the tents are great. It doesn't come cheap. You know, we, it doesn't we, come cheap. We've got our guy, Greg Yonkin, working on it. Yep. He, the weather control machine, he comes out with weather reports <laughs> and if all the seen, way leading up to the event. If you've seen this five-foot demon, he is all over the weather gods. Okay, he's like a Greek force that just helps us out every single second Saturday. Absolutely amazing. So, uh, yeah, and as you mentioned, it's not just beer that's that's at the Great Taste. So what other offerings are available? I think one of the things that Jason and I are most proud of, I think our club is most proud of, is that we are, even in this in this world of this is a beer festival, so let's focus on beer, there's always a group of people where, so we've all had situations where two couples go out, four couples go out, one person makes the decision about where you go, okay? So we are super excited that we not only have offerings, but awesome offerings of ciders, of meads, of gluten-free beers, of kombucha. The only thing we don't have is, is spirits and, and you know boozy cocktails. We've got everything else covered. All those bases are there. And we even have soda and non-alcoholic beverages covered. Quite honestly, I think the missing lane of the highway for many brewers is how do you continue to figure out N.A. beers for people to have that one when they're not having one. And and N.A. beers is becoming very popular. I I Mm -hmm. think we've seen within the last year a huge growth. Uh, Lakefront here in Milwaukee just released their first uh, non-alcoholic beer. You have Athletic Brewing Company out of California who is strictly non-alcoholic beers. Do you think you'll start to see more of that at maybe even this year's festival? I don't know if you've got... I would uh, hope so. I would hope so, and I would love to see people... I would love if Lagunitas brought hop water. I think one of the eye-opening things for this club was (laughs) Fred standing at Lagunitas after we took a bus tour to Chicago, and I've got a case of hop water that I'm taking to the uh, cash register and people are like what's that and i'm like it's hot water and they're like that's not alcoholic and i'm like i would have one and then you'll be behind me with another case it's that simple when you're not having one you still feel like you're having one and it's well done mm-hmm. it's not like some dumbed down version of a beer i mean we all know what na beer tasted like 20 years ago <laughs> it's not what's being done now there's so many different riffs just like gluten-free beers done well you could put in a blind tasting and people would never know. So too with any beers, you can start to go, oh, that's closer to a really hard seltzer. That's really close to a crushable, you know, sparkling water that I can have. That's closer to a damn beer. There's so many things to recommend then. There's so many things that we need to, as responsible event organizers, have for our patrons. Plus and, all, and, the, all the soda and, yeah. and other options. There's probably a half dozen to 12 of those this year. Yep, and we want to showcase what those brewers make. So if, if, if they're jazzed up about a non-alcoholic beer or their root beer or their cream soda or their kombucha or their hard seltzer, like we, we want them to have those products because we want them to be able to promote themselves and, and so you know it is available the next time you're at the store. But it just gives it a great variety. And if you need a break, you know, you just need something that's not hoppy. You want a root beer? You want to you sweeten things up a little bit? Man, do we have great root beers. I'm telling you. They're, they're out there. We, 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 so it, in your print program, they'll be at the, at the front section. We, we clearly identify them on the tents um, in the park. We mark them as soda vendors, so they're really easy to stand out. It's a different color, the tent tags, so you can see them from, from across the park. And, uh, you know, stop in and grab a root beer or a cream soda. 
Well, after you rinse out your glass and then rinse out your glass again. And then you do that again. The big thing for us is that we have a, not a huge percentage, but a, a decent percentage, as any beer festival and any alcohol festival should, of DDs. So there are people that have signed up for this task, pregnant, not pregnant, drink, don't drink, doesn't matter. They're the DDs. How do you find them 12 different offerings so their day isn't just watching people drink? One of the things that I think we really try to do is think about everybody that's between the fences in our event. Are you a beer drinker? Are you not a beer drinker? Are you just a cider drinker? Are you a non-drinker? Are you vegan? free Are you vegan? Yep. You know, we should have a tent with all non-Eisenglass beers with no fish vines <laughs> for, for, the, for the vegans. There's just, I mean... I can't tell you how many times Jason and I and, and all the other people have heard, oh, my God, you guys overthink this. It's like I don't know that we overthink it. I just think we think about it, and I think a lot of times others don't think about it. Yeah, I think that is definitely it. You've got a lot of beer festivals that don't think as much for their patrons as the great taste in the Midwest, and that, that's what makes this so unique. Uh, great American Beer Festival is obviously known for its huge size. Huge. Right? And, of course, its medals are, are prodigious and Great Taste doesn't hang out any metals because it doesn't need to. and uh, it, it's, it's not about that, you know, and, and the GABF is, is great for what they do. I mean, they're, right. they're representing the United States of America and the craft beer, you know, made within it. So they need to have larger numbers, you know, number of breweries, number of beers, no, number of patrons, you know, attending that festival, number of sessions, right? They're, they're really trying to, you know, you know, expand on that and, and showcase, you know, across the country. But, but that award show, I mean, that, that means something for them. You know, that, that's the Olympics, right, since we're in Olympic season right now. <laughs> that's the Olympics of beer. You know, the, that's the Academy Awards of beer, you know, where you put that on your brewery wall. Like, we want to medal the GABF. You know, we don't do that. You know, we're at a beautiful park on the lakeside under beautiful 100-year-old uh, oak trees. You know, we're a picnic. We're a party. We're a family reunion. And, and, and that's what we want to focus on is, is you know, the good times of of just being social and enjoying craft beer, you know, in that picnic, in that park setting with friends and family, in that family reunion style. So it's just a different animal. It is. And when you're representing the entire country and the entire country's piece of the industry, in this case, craft beer, has grown markedly, you have to embrace all of that. You know, plus it's their association. So they do that. I just, I love the fact that the GABF comes to us and we go to them and we have this great working relationship. Okay. They like to come. They like to send new people every year. Those of us that have been lucky enough to go, that have the ability to go, we've been able to make great friends and see that. Some of our family members have been able to work. It's, it's just been a really kind of kind of symbiotic relationship it's really nice and uh, we feel blessed that uh, we're all pulling on the same end of the rope hard choices had to be made here in 2021 right so uh, in previous years we've talked about trying to make it more democratic for uh, getting new breweries because we're going i think we're 10,000 plus now going to a weighted lottery system so how did you make those choices as to uh, what breweries w- would be attending this year that, that this was year one of the was easy things. it was one of the toughest things <laughs> it was it was one of the toughest things because uh, you know half of us don't get to come Jason for example is not eligible to come this year he has to watch on Zoom so it's been it's been a tough it's been tough looking him in the eye knowing that I can go and he can't go. I'm gonna be sitting in my living room watching a webcam. Of the are, are you gonna have your own air horn though? Yeah, yeah, gonna... yeah, yeah. My neighbors are gonna be really happy about it. But I think I think one of the things we've always hung our hat on, one of the things that Jason and all the organizers, because it's not just Fred and Jason who are doing the podcast, it's Fred and Jason plus fifty to hundred. It's it's how do you tell the story openly, honestly clearly and one of the things that we did to our brewers was we said these are the handcuffs that we're under back in april this is what we think makes sense are you okay with this not like there was a ton of input that we were going to take from brewers but we basically said this is what we're feeling this is where we're at this is what feels good to us there was not a brewery that said i disagree with you wholeheartedly and we did it fairly and we did it openly and honestly and we just said the precepts and the underlying principles of what we had done in the past are by and large 95 plus percent in place but the difference is how we're doing it in a half capacity event so one of the things that we've always been about in the last bunch of years is 
rookie brewers. Who's new? So we had that number. We're very clear with people with what that number was. The other kind of uh, guiding principle was how do you dance with the people that brought you? Okay. And we moved that number up significantly so that there were a handful of new guys, a handful of uh, established vets, way above the number that we normally did. And then that center cut, which was the meat of the event, was a straight lottery. And it was the hardest part of that. But every single brewer understood, and we got zero kickback negatively, zero response negatively, and probably two dozen either phone calls, texts, or emails about, God, guys, I do not envy you. I totally get it. I want to be there. My fingers are crossed. My legs are crossed. My wife and kids are all crossed. Bottom line is they knew going in what the game was. They knew that it was open. They knew that it was fair. And I don't know. It's that age-old argument. I mean, try to argue fair with a third-grade boy. Okay? I mean, it's, it's, is fair fair? How do you define fair? We defined it as open and honest communication, and I think we hit that on the mark. Yeah, and I think the brewers supported us in that too, like like Fred said, where they understood. They, they know the climate. They know that we are reducing numbers, and they knew that some of them might not make the cut, even if they've been coming for 17, 18, 17, 19 18 years, years. You know, which is hard because they would have been, you know, in previous years would have been grandfathered in. They would have been automatically attending. Um, but we are committed to, to making it fair, and I'm making air quotes. Um, but we also did want to honor that, you know, that rookie aspect too because we want to keep things fresh we want to get the new guys or or those who haven't attended to come to the festival we want to keep you know we want to keep things moving forward right and so so by raising that number a number of years to make that cutoff and and doing that straight lottery where everyone else in that middle had an even one ball in the hopper when doing that lottery it, it seemed fair to us it seemed fair to the brewers and and we came up with a great mix you know i think we the model that we designed did what was intended where we got people from 18 19 years we got people from three years we got people from two from seven from 12 so we've got that wide you know range of of longevity to the great taste while still honoring our longtime supporters and participants as well as bringing in the new guys to keep things fresh to keep the you know the scale correct with what we've been doing the last few years and I think if you would have rolled that out, just like anything, if you would have made, let's say an employer makes a wholesale change in how they do business and, and you're an employee and it, it's not explained well and everybody talks in the background or they go out for happy hour on Friday and it's just a bitch session or it's everybody in the, in the cafeteria at lunch. We tried to mitigate that by just, again, laying it out. This is, these, are, these are the constraints we're under. And people supported that. I mean, this is a different world. I know that the the overarching number that was thrown out nationally for craft beverage producers was 40% attrition during a pandemic. That did not happen. That didn't even closely happen in the Midwest. 40% of craft winemakers did not go out of business. 40% of craft distillers did not go out of business. And certainly craft brewers did not go out of business at 40%. It's hard to... Jason and I and a, and a half dozen other people found it really hard to, to try to operationalize or formulate a process when you'd A, never done this, and you're operating under what all the experts are saying is going to happen. Well, 40% attrition, if 40% of our 200's already gone, well, hey, well, <laughs> well, that didn't happen. Maybe 4% went out of business. I think one brewer in Madison yeah. didn't make it. Yep. Everybody else made it, and not they didn't. People are still struggling, don't get me wrong. But I think what we feel best about is that we were, we're very forthright and, and, and open with, with our folks about what we're doing. We made that pretty clear also on social media with our patrons. The last thing I want to talk about here as far as impacts to changes this year uh, before we get into listener questions, is ticket sales. So it, that's always been a, an event, and listening to you guys were at Vintage Brewery last year with us and listening to Rory's stories of uh, potholes. <laughs> Rory's and stories. Is, is Rory's that another podcast? Stories. I think that's it's a t-shirt. Rory's, Rory's stories. It's something. There are a lot of, I, I think, uh, small families are being lost in those potholes on okay. their parking <laughs> lot. 
parking lot, by the way. And, and people lining up uh, on Friday. I mean, ticket yep. sales aren't until noon on Sunday, and they're lining up Friday night. But ticket sales this year were all mail-in. How did you just logistically handle all this mail coming in? Because when I send in my quest for a lottery, which uh, didn't get filled, I'm just going to point <laughs> out. But, oh, thanks. But uh, the, Jim's second that's why best friend here. <laughs> but uh, all I can imagine in my head is how much mail just was pouring in, and yeah. one, how much does your local USPS hate you? And uh, they don't. We've got a good relationship with them. We, we kind of, gre- I don't want to say grease the wheels because it's a government organization, a government and, we're, organization. and we're not bribing anybody. No. We no. we just have a conversation with them, like you know, right. hey, it's us again. Yeah, those guys with Who all the letters. You, you know, in in May. This year, June for four days, right? With that group, right? So, so they knew it was coming. Uh, you know, we give them the you know, the courtesy of the heads up. You know, they're professionals, right. and, and and they need to know that they're gonna, you know, experience a, a big log of of letters coming in. Um, but but we're really good at that. You know, we're really good at the mail lottery. You know, we we've got a we've got a really dedicated group of of, of really experienced people who have done that before. You know, we've got like four different organizers who are really deeply ingrained into that process you know the current person in charge the one before that the one before that the the substitute you know, kind of helper one so we've got a good crew plus all the volunteers who are working around that group so they've got a really a really defined system that worked last year worked the year before that worked the year before that worked 10 years before that worked this year so even though there was more volume and we we're going to be filling less tickets that system still worked so it, it was hard to say that we weren't going to do tickets in person, sales in person, because I know how much people like that. You know, that's like the mini family reunion before the big family <laughs> reunion. Like this is the cousins getting together before you get together with the aunts and uncles and grandpa and grandma. So this is the, you know, the, the fun part, um, you know, happening before, which, you know, a lot of people enjoy. And, and it, you know, you put in that time, you get there on Saturday to, for ticket sales on Sunday you're pretty sure you're, you know, you know, you're going to get tickets. You, you put in the sweat equity of slaving through sitting in line overnight, drinking craft beers with your friends. <laughs> it's, it's a it's real a hard job, but someone's yeah, got to do it. Special release beers at all the breweries <laughs> and breakfast at the food carts. It's real tough. Yeah. But, you know, so we operationalize because we've been doing the lottery as, as like that second chance, if you will, or, or out of town um, entries. So we just operationalize that 100 percent, you know. Getting together in in numbers in June was clearly not going to happen. That you know, from a safety standpoint, or you know, mandates, you know, local rules, that clearly was not going to happen. So that was an easy decision to make. You know, it it we're, it's unfortunate that we couldn't do it, but it was an easy decision to make. So when we operate operationalized that into a hundred percent mail order lottery, we knew we had that. We've done that for many many years. So. It was just another. It was just another year of mail-in lotteries. Just that. That's the way we did all the ticket sales this year. Yeah, it's just a scale-up. It was a scale-up version of what we'd already done, yep. and and having complete and utter confidence in that those captains, those three to four captains, and those dozen of uh, volunteers, they know what they're doing. Okay, and quite honestly, that's like a mini. This year, in particular, for those guys, it was like a little mini reunion. They hadn't yep. seen each other for sixteen months. Yep. Okay, and then suddenly you're all on the same side of the table doing the exact same thing with the exact same goal. It was uh, from the stories that we heard, the backstories of Jason and I heard, they, they had a great time, and it was fantastic. Uh, that's awesome. So demands always outstrip supply. I, I'm curious, did you still get a heavy demand of requests that came yeah. in? We, we, we did, and, and we knew that we would. I think without having the in-person sales, you know, where, quote-unquote, the right number of people are in line, we don't turn away too many people. Like, we sell out, but, you know, the folks that, you know, at the end of the line know that they probably won't get tickets. But we always have a surplus through our mail order, and, and that was, again, the case this year, um, especially with the reduced uh, scale of the event. So we definitely had, you know, we had more sorry you didn't win letters going back to people, which is, you know, sad, but it's it's reality. And so, yeah, we, you know, we we definitely had those numbers, you know, where where we had to send the the sorry, you know, better luck next year kind of, you know, message back to those folks. 
All right. So uh, we've got some listener questions uh, that are curious about uh, 2021. Before we get into uh, some fun questions about how to actually survive <laughs> and the day of great taste. So uh, so our first question comes in as, as we get close to the event and concerns with the Delta variant are growing, are we still on for this year? Any milestones to confirm for those folks looking to finalize their travel plans? And is there any pressure to cancel again? Uh, there's no pressure at all uh, to cancel. Uh, we're definitely on for this year, uh, but we are mindful and, and we are definitely looking at public health, Madison, Dane County. We're looking at CDC guidelines. And so we're keeping up to date with those uh, recommendations, which is why I'll put in a plug now. So if you are using our taxi cab subsidy program or our shuttle buses, uh, you will be required to wear a, a face covering. So wear a face mask, bring your own. Uh, we will have some available for folks who forgot, but that is a that is still a requirement for public transportation, just like on an airline. Just like everywhere. Right, just like, just like everywhere else. So if you're riding in a cab on your way to or from the event or riding a shuttle bus from one of the many locations that, that we uh, contract with to bring shuttle buses in, both bringing people in and home uh, from the event, you will be required to wear a face mask. So don't be surprised. Be prepared and bring a face mask. We will have some in case you forget, but bring your own. They're a lot more comfortable than the ones we're going to give you. <laughs> True. Awesome. And then uh, Robert Miller asks, uh, will vaccination be required for entry? Uh, they are not. Uh, we've required vaccinations for all of our staff, our brewery staff, uh, volunteers, and vendors. So those are, that's like kind of the professional side of the event. Uh, we're strongly encouraging our, our patrons to be vaccinated and or wear your mask during attendance, but we're not strictly requiring uh, vaccinated attendees. So I'll be really clear that uh, Dane County is an outlier in Wisconsin. We are exceptionally high on the list as far as counties in the country. But the bottom line is that when we made that requirement, there was little to no, almost zero feedback negatively from our brewers. Everybody in the brewing community, by and large, comes from, most come from a science background, and they trust the science, they understand what we're trying to do here, and they're all looking at the common good. So whether you're pro or anti-vaccine was not the issue with us, it was just, it made sense to them, because this is their methodology. This is how they make beer. This is how they operationalize their business. So we, we're feeling really good about where we're at right now. You know, Dane County is at about 70% vaccination rate. So people coming to Madison should feel confident that, uh, that we're there. But uh, at the same time, it's just, you know, we're not, we're not risk averse. We're not being cavalier. And we are really, really, really hoping that people make good choices. You know, if you are not vaccinated, this will be a consideration to not come. Okay, if you are vaccinated, then we're not going to ask you to see your card, but we're going to ask you to behave responsibly in the places where you will have to wear a mask. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it is a personal choice. We do have a question from Jay Parsons. When will volunteers who have a canceled assignment be notified how to purchase tickets? Uh, that is at the top of my to-do list. Um, I'm definitely overdue for that notification, but we've got that operationalized. To be honest, I, it, it could very well go out tonight or it's going to be tomorrow. I, I know I'm late in that game, but we're still finalizing folks, moving them around because some, some areas were a little bit light. So we're moving some some volunteers who maybe were heavy in a position and moving them to somewhere else. So we're, we're just finalizing some of those moves, but uh, notification should be coming out uh, tomorrow, actually. Okay. And we are recording this on Wednesday, July 28th. So yep. by the time you actually hear this, uh, you will have actually gotten that, that gotten notification. Yeah. So way to ruin that question, Jason. Nice. Thanks. Time coding it by saying tomorrow. <laughs> kill Johnny. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And then is there going to be a, a phone app again this year? Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have a print program, Android and iOS, Apple apps. They've worked well. We've worked with the same team for a number of years. It gives you all the information. It's got the map. It's got all the beers. It's got all the breweries. It's got all the tent locations. It's got all the food vendors. It's got some of our, you know, our sponsors. Um, so all the information is available on the app. You can load yep. it before you even come to the event yep. and yep. stack up a list of places you want to go. Yep. So you can set up favorites, either beers or breweries that you want to visit. So they'll show, actually show up on your map. So when you pull up the map, there will be pins in there so you know like where you're standing and you can see where a pin is that you marked before and you know where to go next or 
you know, in, in a, you know, later on in the event. Uh, but we will also have the print programs as well. So folks who are more analog or, you know, are putting pen to paper uh, to take notes or, or their tick list, uh, we'll have that as well. I love the program because it's, it's a souvenir, but uh, I absolutely leverage the app. And when will the app be available to download? Uh, usually about the week before the Great Taste. Um, a- Apple takes longer. Uh, I'm, I'm an Apple every guy, year, and, every and, year. and they their their approval process is painfully rigorous and slow. And, and they've changed some things this year, so that uh, our our Apple app guy has a lot more work to do this year. Uh, but they'll be they'll be available that week, at least a week before the festival. Android comes comes out quicker, but uh, yep. but both will be out there days and days before. Yep. All right, so let's get into maybe some uh, some fun questions. You know, we ask every year tips on how, how to survive the great taste. Even for veterans, it, it, it's tough, but especially for the person who this may be their first year uh, coming to the great taste. What are any tips or tricks that uh, you would recommend uh, think, to these folks? I think Jason and I would agree, and it became very apparent when uh, our daughter – Moved to Denver, ended up working, and was a crew head. At not the, our, your daughter. Not, not your, that's right. My, I say <laughs> yeah. our uh, I always, thought we had some breaking news I'm here on the Tap Table Podcast because there thing, hasn't been any this year. I'm always thinking about my wife, so I always say our. I stop saying my daughter because that sounds like I'm single. But Jason and I have no children together. We do not. <laughs> so, separate but, children. We have separate children. But uh, they're remarkably attractive all. But um, the big thing is that she went to the GABF. She moved to Denver, went to college there. She went to uh, GABF for the first time, ended up being a crew head for a number of years. And then her first perception was, oh, my God, Dad, I never realized how important it was, how cool it was to be outside. And I said, you want to tell me more about that? And she goes, you can pour a beer right out on the ground, and it doesn't matter. You can't do that at the GABF. You have to go look for a dump bucket. So my tip is, Stop being Wisconsin nice. Stop being Minnesota nice. There's not a producer, myself included, that would ever look sideways at you if you poured out a beer, even in front of them. You can make nice and say, I just I love this. I don't need to finish all of it. I really appreciate it. COVID, so I'm not going to share it with 16 of my friends. Bottom line is, don't you don't have to drink everything that gets poured to you. It's okay to pour it out, and it doesn't make anybody mad. The other one is eat, drink, eat, drink, eat, drink. So those are the big things. Those are the game changers. And if you just stop to converse, these are artists. The people behind that table, even though there's a couple fewer, you know, there's a few fewer of them every, you know, this year because of COVID, they're there because they made it and they want to talk about it. Everybody on this planet, if you're sitting at a bar stool, loves talking to somebody next to them that's a stranger that can talk about what they're impassioned by, whether it's their avocations or their vocations. Those are great people to be next to a bar stool on. Talk to the people, ask questions, be inquisitive, tell them you like it, tell them that you don't really care for it and tell them why. Okay, all feedback is good feedback and everybody will take it. I think that, you know, that is what people, brewers come to and they really value, they really look at that interaction that happens across the table. And that to us is one of the most important things. When you require brewers to be there, then suddenly it's all feedback and it's all a beta test. But hydration is super important. When my mom attended for the first time in 2019, what what Fred said, I told her, if you do not love the beer that's in your glass, dump it out and get another one. We have thousands of beers available. (laughs) You will find one that you want to finish. And I saw her about 30 minutes into the event, and she's raising her glass, said, I found a beer I love. <laughs> and it was like a coffee, imperial coffee right. stout. Like, she's a coffee drinker. She is not a beer drinker. And so to see her drinking a, a pretty burly beer early on in the festival, I knew that my recommendation had, she had received the message. She had embraced it. She was living it, and she found a beer that she loved as a non-beer drinker. It made me so happy. Yeah, playing off what you're saying, Fred, is challenge yourself. Yeah, you may like classic English style, so you always drink ESBs or, you know, or bitters and IPAs. But, hey, you are going to find absolutely everything uh, at the great taste. The garlic stout stands out to me. Unbelievable. <laughs> and it was really good. <laughs> that, guy, that guy is just straight up nuts. 
oh my god when he brought the uh, roasted garlic stout I'm like, dude, what, what the hell? Radical Effects Brew Works out uh, kind of on the, uh, the river town on the, uh, the Mississippi. Where the hell are they? They're one of the Quad Cities, I think. I don't know. Quad Cities. So anyways, um, he, you know, it's just one of those things. And if you don't like it, it's okay. The bottom line, roasted garlic stout is going to kind of play with your palate for the next couple, two, three beers. <laughs> so will the jalapeno <laughs> lager. Okay, so go, maybe that's the time when you, A, go get a rinse and... B, go get a taco, okay, <laughs> or go get a sandwich. That you know, curds, curds. Beer pairs with food, right? So yep. take advantage of that, too. Take something unusual, go get something to eat, and, and do that pairing and, and see how they complement each other. Here's the crazy part of the podcast is that everybody in our culture thinks that wine pairs better with food, and every one of them is wrong. So wrong. Beer pairs better with food, and it's because of carbonation. It's not because beer pairs better with food. It's that carbonation cleanses your palate. It pulls all the fats. It pulls all the acids. It cleans you out so that you can actually taste your food. When you're drinking wine with food, it's a stack. It's stacking. It's a cumulative effect. You can't get through your palate long enough to get to the next thing. Wine pairs fine with food. Beer pairs better. I would even maybe argue that spirits might fall between beer and wine. Is there any particular spirits, Fred, that might? <laughs> I enjoy a good rye whiskey that uh, goes really well with lots of food. So, But no, the big thing to me is that just be fearless. Try something. If you don't like it, it's okay. Somebody else likes that beer, and you're not offending the guy that made it, the gal that made it. They're not offended. Trust me, they are just fine. These are pretty bulletproof people that can take feedback. Yeah, especially if you really like it. But if it's a 12 14% barley wine or imperial stout uh guys there's 600 700 more beers to go go ahead dump it out even though it may be one of the rarest beers out there go ahead take that sip feel free to dump it out you're not going to offend anyone that's what a two ounce pour is for you know you're not buying a six pack you're not buying a bomber you know this is a great opportunity to try things that I don't know that I need a six pack of a garlic anything with as a beer or you know or a pizza a pizza lager or you know or, or some of the what I'll call weird or unusual flavors but that's what a beer festival is for you know you've got 2 ounces try it try it again don't love it maybe think about it a little bit but if you're really not going to like it then dump it out and move on. Absolutely. The other thing, too, is that customers should feel completely confident and fine with walking up to a brewery and saying, really short pour. Yep. Really short pour. You don't need to fill that up. You do not give me half. I can do a really short pour. And then do it with your fingers. Right now, Jason did air quotes before I'm doing pincers. (laughs) So the whole thing is that you can ask for what we need. We're so nice that sometimes we just don't do that. I, you know, a lot of times people are just trying, and then the Wisconsin nice part is on the other side of the table too, with brewers like, oh, this person seems really excited. Maybe I'll give them 1.5 ounces, maybe 2.2 quarters ounces. Mm -hmm. So just mitigate that, try to get more stuff in your glass, and then give people feedback. You've always had in the last couple of years some fun things, treasure hunts or or picture hunts, especially uh, cutouts of Fred. (laughs) <laughs> that we all love. Uh, anything planned for this year? Uh, we're doing the scavenger hunt again, absolutely. Program editor uh, Scott Maurer is super excited about doing the scavenger hunt again, so that will be in effect. There are fabulous prizes to win uh, with that scavenger hunt, So, and it's fun. It's, it's a fun way to meet people. It's a fun way to socialize. It adds to the day where you're not just you know, in a park drinking beer, which is a great way to spend the afternoon anyway, I might add. <laughs> you know, it's a side hustle. It's a, it's a side, it's a game tacked on to your already fun day with your friends and family. It's the game within a game. I mean, if you're looking at uh, Jason Walters as one of the boxes you can check off as Handlebar Mustache, saw a dude <laughs> with Handlebar Mustache, okay, and then you have to take a picture with Jason. I mean, then suddenly that leads to a conversation. Suddenly it slows down your drinking. Suddenly it accelerates your, you know, social conviviality. There's a whole lot more that a scavenger hunt does yep. than just accrue prizes. It gets you to meet people. Trust me, you're going to see 
45 to 50 dudes in, what are those kilts. things called? Kilts. I was going to say culottes. <laughs> Maybe one of the scavenger one hunts of these would years, be a find we'll a, a dude culotte. in culottes. That's actually a really good scavenger yeah. hunt question. I'm going to jot down that note. Jot down that note, because I might wear a culotte this year. I might rock a culotte. But no, but the big thing is it gets, you, uh, it gets you connected to other people around you. Okay, and it starts conversation, and that's super fun. And I just think, you know, we're always looking for things like that. So whether it's scavenger hunt, whether it is the themes that happen at breweries, whether it is those guys embracing what's happening in their town, and that becomes the theme, or what the, you know what their passion is right now at beer, and that becomes their theme. There's just a lot of cool stuff that, that are going on. And we kind of let, some people would say we let some people go too far maybe with their themes. But the other thing is, you know, kind of let, kind of let people self-regulate until, mm. it, until it doesn't work. But, you know, I can tell you right now that the Ryder Cup is happening in Wisconsin. There will be a Ryder Cup theme with one of the breweries. There will be a singing and dancing theme with another one. There will be fun carnival games with another one. There will be just great themes around who we are now i don't think i've heard from one brewery breaking news on the tap take oh boy breaking news i do not think that anybody has covid theme i do not think that anybody will be doing fake vaccinations with beer i do not think that people will be irreverent about the pandemic that we just went through because that's really low-hanging fruit okay i think that uh there'll be one brewery that has been coming for decades that will make their theme an homage to everything we've done over those decades and not about them. So it'll be a, oh. you know, it'll be a beer museum, hmm. which really means this is what, this is all the shit that I collected at your beer festival, <laughs> Fred and Jason. So I'm bringing it back and I may just fucking leave it here. <laughs> so, returning it Right, home. returning it home. So, I mean, I, there's just, let people be creative, let them do what they want to do, but the bottom line is it's all about beer. Yeah, and water entries are still discouraged, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Come by, yes, yes. Come by land, and not <laughs> oh, by sea. Yes. Come by land, by not by. The, but there was that was a really funny year. I mean, there's nothing more fun than really overweight guys in loincloths, you know, in long poles carrying the first half barrel into the great taste. That's not. not it made fun. an impression. It made a real it, and maybe a scary impression for yeah. some people. Yeah. Straighter. You, gay, you can't doesn't unsee matter. that. You, you can't unsee, unsee that. that. No. There's just, I mean, there's there's only so much a beard can cover up. And, and we encourage all of our patrons to stay dry during the festival. <laughs> yes. So there, yes. are, there are no lifeguards on duty. The water yeah. is closed. The water is closed. Please so don't swim. So please stay in the park. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> Before it's pretty, and after the festival. The view is absolutely amazing. Uh, however, definitely stay 15 plus feet yep. you can get away from the, the shoreline. Water, but just don't go in the water. <laughs> uh, with the cutbacks, will we still see a real ale tent? Real Ale Tent was uh, paused for this year, and I think oh, pause is man. the right word. We really couldn't wrap our brain around two things. First and foremost was how do you, when the Real Ale Tent is completely run and staffed by volunteers, and it really takes a shelving unit between the two sides of pouring, so literally you have an L bar, and then you have the shelves that are two-sided between how do you do that passing of glasses between how do you touch every single, you know, how many people are touching that keg. It didn't make a lot of sense for this year. And quite honestly, that is one of the, uh, besides that in the uh, presentation tent going away or being paused for, for this year, those are two really things, two big things that are near and dear to my heart because I started them back in, back in the day. But it's, there are 250 people that on a normal year, the great, t if you ask them what the great taste of the Midwest is for them, they go to the real ale tent. They don't go anywhere else. That's 250 solid consumers that never move. That is their, and that is plenty of beer. So we're providing them an opportunity yep. to explore the rest of the yep. park this year <laughs> and, and see the other corners that they don't find in yep. other years and, and, and find some new breweries. Find, find that garlic porter yep. and, uh, and some interesting other beers that they might enjoy otherwise. Yeah. It's just, it's that notion of, how do you do it? How do you do it safely? How do you do it when really things aren't completely clear back in April, March, when we're trying to figure stuff out? And then the presentation thing was, was also ridiculously difficult because yeah. there, are, there are probably 20, 25 people in a 100-person seated event that that's what they do. And it's not just because they don't drink beer and they come with their spouse and they're bored for five hours. They're impassioned by going and listening to people present and then do a food and beer pairing. 
or beer and wine pairing or whatever it is. Bottom line is we're really, really energized to blow those up next year and, uh, and bring them back in even better fashion. But the bottom line is those people can explore what we're doing. They can get to the next thing. Plus, it's a year where you're not just canceling it on a 10,000-person event and people have to fight crowds. It's going to be we're canceling it, we're pausing it. It's now a half-capacity event, and you can go around and find things a little bit easier this year. Well, it also gave us, so this is the second part of that answer, gave us a bunch more space to socially distance. You know, taking those three big tents, because it was a vendor mall tent, it was a real ale tent, and it was a presentation tent which allows us not just half capacity with the same footprint, but take away three tenths, and it's even more. It's just the perception in an event like this for us is perception is reality, you know, and people will look at it and they will make decisions based upon just a visual. And we want to take that off the table and we want not just to be what we think is the best way to put on an event in funny times, but take the perception off the table as well and and give everybody the confidence such that they can look across that crowd and go, oh, I, this makes sense. My shoulders are down just a little yep. bit. I get it. I'm, I feel comfortable here. And if I'm not overly comfortable, I can take wider berths because there's more room. And, and pausing the presentation tent was, was near and dear to me because I knew I'd have to answer to my dad because <laughs> he's, one of those, he's one of those patrons who literally – he gets a beer, he gets another beer, and he finds a seat in the presentation tent, and he spends his, his afternoon there. He's in love with those presentations. He learns things. He gets to try some chocolates with, paired with beers. He tries food paired with beers. He, you know, we had, we had a, a, a farmer's market, like fresh from the market, pairing with, with beers one year. So it, it's his passion at the Great Taste. So I knew I'd have some explaining to do. <laughs> To him, to my Lucy. dad. What, what, yeah, sorry, dad. Um, <laughs> we're not doing the chocolate and beer this year. And so I had to, you know, have a little distance with that. But that's something then that's more than just a beer festival, right? That's more than just drinking beer in the park. That's educating people. It's making it fun. It's expanding it. Fred's talking about how well beer pairs with food. We all know that as beer geeks. And this is proof. You know, here, here you can, I mean, who, you're not, this is not Hershey bar with Miller Lite. Like beer and chocolate do not go together if those are your reference points. But a Gale Ambrosius chocolate and a Central Waters bourbon barrel stout, bourbon barrel barley wine, you're, you're going to melt into that. I mean, th that is magic. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, th that's a magical experience. So, or, or, that's or, or pairing. What we refer to in the industry as sexual chocolate. Ooh. <laughs> I was going to go there, but that is, that's amazing. But, you know, but, but, but those are the things that we do. And, and, and we're, we're sorry to not have that this year, but. You know, with the food handling concerns and, and the density concerns and, and wanting to spread people out, we know it was the right decision. We're super excited to have that back next year. It's, it's, it's what we're known for. It's who we are. It's our kind of not-for-profit status as education, kind of a education caveat of what we do. I mean, we have to do that. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that we that, – I mean, you could argue that the great taste just via conversation – is an education event for everybody. We want to go to the next level. So it, it always kind of it kind of crushed Jason and I, and it kind of crushed the rest of those volunteers that, because we you remember you got twenty volunteers that ran the real ale tent. That was what they were impassioned by. They weren't just assigned there; they went there. They mm -hmm. found that as their job. And then you had twenty more that ran the presentation tent. That's forty people that no longer have their passion, and now we've just got to bring it back for. And that's not to say that the 2021 version of Great Taste is going to be any less spectacular nope. than it than it's nope. ever been, it, because it's so amazing that even at a scaled back version, it, it's if anything a little bit more consumable to to a person. It, it uh, might be, it, it, you know, those unicorn beers are still there. You know, if you're an untapped and and you're tagging your beers and and you're marking, you know, and you're keeping track of what you've had. And, you know, and, and flexing on, on bragging rights on things, we will still definitely have those. <laughs> without question, yep. we, we will have those beers. Like, you can still flex on August 14th at, at Olin Park um, with, with those unicorns that you find, for sure. Oh, well, absolutely. When uh, Central Waters tapped uh, Ardina and Cygnus, right? I mean, the, the line for that was amazing. And it was one of the rarest beers uh, to ever ever be had well, that year right and yep. you could flex real hard on that yep. uh and this year i'm 
I don't know if Revolution will be there, but this year's VSOJ. Revolution will be there, yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, is going to be another amazing beer. I'm sure they'll tap in their variants that they'll have there. Um, there's a ton of untapped checks to be had. Well, and to me, it's just it's it's how do you let these guys paint their own canvas, okay? And I don't care if your canvas is English Milds and Kolsch's and Pilsner's. Just own that. Own that. If you're German lagers, own that. Jason and I, one of our biggest, saddest components where there are people that didn't get through that aren't just big, massive, uh, high-end barrel-aged beers and massive IPAs. There's some German lager breweries that didn't get in this year that make us ridiculously sad. I remember the first time people, I mean, this was the, how, how weird is it that, you know, four or five years ago, suddenly Pilsner was cool again. Yeah. Okay, and people started talking about Pilsner in the, uh, you know, under trees. You know, wow. Now we're talking about beer. So the interesting thing is that there's a place for everybody. And just get there, find it. You can search it on the app. You can go Pilsners all day. You can go English Milds all day. You can go barrel-aged beers. You can do what we won't do is we will not facilitate you standing in line. Okay? (laughs) Um, If you want to do that, then do that. But the bottom line is we want people to not just look for a beer. We want people to look for all beer. So if you're in a line waiting for something that might tap in a couple minutes, tell your buddy to hold your place, grab two glasses, go to the brewery next door that might have no line or three people in line, grab a beer, drink it while you're waiting, and have a conversation. There's ways to do lines, and there's ways to chase and have fun and put stuff on untapped, but there's also ways to make everybody feel like they're part of the, you know, part of the whole event. So go to those places that are to the right and left of where you might be standing you might so, be surprised you might be super surprised another pro tip from fred on i'm how telling to do ta- you man time tapping time tappings and not and to you know i mean think about it because you know you, you might not go there but you're static and you may have an empty glass but you're still waiting so have somebody hold your spot go next door you're going to make some friends just get back in time <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this has been fantastic. Uh, friend Jason, I can't mm-hmm. thank you enough for joining me today. But unfortunately, it appears that we're all out of beer. So for the Tap Takeover podcast, this is Jim. Jason Walters. And Fred Swanson. And this has been another solid, non-fail production. No Thanks again. Thanks. No more beer. No more beer for you. He said there's no.